In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Two Life Podcast. I hope everybody's having a beautiful day. I hope the sun is shining, the birds are singing. Got a great show for you today. Luke Harris, Robert Brown. You may know him from uh, Luke's got a few books out, The Dream Diaries. Robert's a business owner, uh, a commentator, and they're both content creators. They have their own podcast, comedy team. Super cool guys. Super stoked you guys are here today. Welcome to the show, man. Oh. Hold them up so we can see them, man. Is that three of them, Luke? I got all three of them. Whoa, man. Yeah. So for those who may not know what, that's the Dream Series right there? Yeah, it's the Dream Diaries. It was a, uh, a brainchild of an idea back in high school. I had a buddy, you know, in the 90s, people wanted to make easy, cheap films like... Uh, you know, go and and night at the Roxbury's, just some cheap stuff. And he wanted, you know, something simple. And I'd worked uh, on movie scripts and comic books and stuff. And my imagination's out there. And and my my brothers and my dad were out in Hollywood, so I had access to movie scripts and was was fiddling around with it. And I came back with a, a movie script that was uh, vampires versus bikers which was a little high budget for a high school kid. So, you know, that's ended up being um, what the second book is. This was my script I carried around in Hollywood. And it basically takes place in 24 hour period. So when we went to write it as a book, I broke it into uh, each hours like a chapter. So, and then we had to go back and, and, you know, create a backstory for the, you know, resident town sage Obi-Wan kind of character that was right, helping right. everyone. And in, in my book, she's a teenage witch 
little bit more on the gothic side and she gets she gets approached by the biker gang to find one of their buddies that got kidnapped at a party Nice. And this buddy ended up being her ex-boyfriend, so she's not real keen on helping out. But she likes the the leader of the biker gang. So, you know, she's yeah. got some interest in it, invested interest. But, you know, we had to go back and tell her origin story. So that's where um, the tie-in came in with the whole Dream Diaries the and Nightmares being the first book. Because basically she she's kind of like a hellboy ghost investigator, but paranormal, um, you know, in a real sense, exorcist fights, monsters, yeah. the things under the bed, that kind of stuff. So I went real archaic with, okay, you know, what if she fought the boogeyman or the monster in the closet? You know, what would be like the basic essence of this? And the main, the first main bad guy she fights feeds off of fear. Uh -oh. And this was way before, we started hearing about the adrenochrome and, and <clears throat> feeding off of, you know, adrenalized blood yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. So he, when the bad guy, when he does it, it's more like a voodoo witch doctory type of thing. And he's breathing it in like dogs and bees can smell fear. And that's kind of how he is. And I mean, we really wish we had you over our stream yard because we got pictures of everything that yeah. we're doing. Because I, I also went to, um, to college as a, a classically trained portrait oil portrait painter, you know, I just looked nice. at the catalog and picked one, but um, <laughs> now uh, I, I did illustration and comic books, like I said, so I, I've got the ideas drawn out. Um, I'm too lazy to do a lot of things myself. So I'm trying to build up a bigger team and, we, you know, we sit that, down and so, we done the, um, what, what's it called? ZBrush. We tried to yeah, ZBrush so, out all of his characters and make them into 3D models, and that was that was well, during the first year of our podcast. We were yeah he he he's always been supportive, but we can we can touch base on you know how he and I became a creative <clears throat> team. But um, Robert, do you want to tell that story? Well, I mean, um, so I I was a millwright. For those of you that don't know what a millwright is, is an overpaid mechanic, really. I, a, a millwright's title going to construction sites, um, you can do anything. You, seriously, when I say anything, you can lay concrete, you can set the metal, you set the foundation, set the pumps, install the equipment down to a thousandth of an inch. That was my trade. And I went out to a job, and of course, doing these jobs, you learn the safety is right. the same on every job. They give you a test at the beginning of every job, and it becomes boring. So there are few people like me who sit there and make fun of everything that the safety instructor is trying to tell you. <laughs> so Luke was a safety man for that company, That's and funny. the safety guys messaged I, him. I was a regional safety guy, and the local safety guys were, were sick of being heckled. It was uh, RJ and his buddy Cole were like, the two critics on the Muppet show just sitting there heckling <laughs> in the back of the safety right. meeting about, okay, guys, you should wear your gloves. Gloves! Who needs them? They're just heckling. It's yeah. like, and these grown men are, are being brought to tears by other grown men. 
and that's <laughs> love industrial it. construction. So and, he gets there and he says, "By my cal- he he comes in with a British voice." So right, no, I, I gotta get to that. So you know, <laughs> so I, I I learned Spanish and Portuguese in South America because I've been all over the place. Are you out in Hawaii, right, George? I am. Yeah. So I'm from Guam, but I'm not native Guamanian. Okay. Uh, just military family flying around and and whatever we've been everywhere but uh i spent some time in south america learned portuguese and, and and spanish and so it messed up my american and i had some guy i was living with he's like hey y'all sound like you you work at taco bell when you speak american we're like no man we speak english just fine but <laughs> so like uh the chileans speak british so I, I i studied english again with my my landlord and i came back with a british accent and I would use that in the safety course because this lady tried to cancel an OSHA class I was taking. And she's like, well, you know, we tried to send an email. I'm like, look, love, if I don't get this course done, by the end of the week, i got to go back home. I don't get this job. She thought home was across the pond. Yeah. <laughs> and so I showed up at this job, you know, putting on airs, British accent. I'm like, yeah, by my calculations, I, I can give all of you two hours on the tool or we can uh, go out to eat. And these My attitude hecklers, doesn't change. I'm still heckling. They're like, we'll, we'll go out to eat. So, you know, <laughs> I said, I'll take the dinner. <laughs> they sent me an address, and, and I get I just go out there because it was, it was by my hotel in, in Pennsylvania where we were at, Harrison. And I'm parked at – it's kind of shady. It's like a building was sort of under an underpass kind of – it was so weird. And I'm like, yeah. this, this is starting to seem – like I'm being punked Hannah's or something. Hannah's on Anna. Anna's on Hannah. Neither one it, of us can remember. It was a strip name. club. <laughs> but, you know, like I said, I had art background. And I I was a, a teacher's assistant at a university, full nude, down the hill from BYU, where we could draw fully naked people. But, um, and so I'm like, oh, bet. I, I was there before them, and I was waiting. I'm like, if they don't show up, I'm going to make fun of them. Right. For just being – but it, tell them about how it was. It was such a great yeah, experience. It, it, was, it was a really nice uh, environment. Um, <laughs> one of the girls in there even knew more about the construction job we were at than we did. So, Imagine that. Yeah. She's an engineer. And one of the things that was really fun was – this girl was in there talking to us about what we do for our jobs. And look, I'm going to tell you right now, I, some of my best friends are welders and pipe fitters and stuff like that. And going into a restaurant and stuff or a strip club, even wherever, when you're on the road, you go out there and there's so many times that people go, what do you guys do? And when I say I'm a mill rider, but I just, I don't understand that. But when the girls go to the guy that says I'm a welder, of course, like, all the girls know a welder makes money. Yeah. So yeah. they're all over them. And I, I've spent so many times telling strippers, I'm like, look, welders are dumb. <laughs> okay. If you want to make money and you want to get the guy that's got the money, go after the mill rats. That, that's the people, the engineer. <laughs> that's the people you it, should be going it, it was just, it was a funny, there were a couple funny things we, we share on our intro for our podcast, our story, how we met kind of thing. But, there, there were two other funny things. The shape of the bar and the catwalk made it so like they had a serving winch had her had a crescent moon bar okay. in between the bar and the catwalk. Well, and you can go platform. over the catwalk. 
but you know, I was the one with the British accent, but Robert and Cole started to be like, excuse me, ma'am, how does one um, insert the bill from here over to there? And she, he's like, just wad it up and throw it. And well, I'm from Oklahoma. I, I'm a Southern man. I'm very proud to say this. <laughs> and here in Oklahoma, if you wad up your dollar bill and throw it at the stripper, <laughs> that is very disrespectful. <laughs> right, right. You hand her the money like a gentleman. Right, and, right. And I'm like, no, no. If I throw money at her back home, they're going to come out here and stab me with a high heel. That's not happening. <laughs> I'd rather just put it in her G-string and call it a day. Right, the, a gentleman. The other funny part was there was between acts, there was a, a lady janitor in, in a janitor's smock and everything, jumpsuit, with a bucket and a mop coming out to Before to, Before to walk up. was ever a thing. I'm gonna before that was now. even a thing. And, and so then Tell them what happened. So this lady comes out. She's she's probably 350 pounds. I mean, she's a she's big girl. girl. And she's walking out with her bucket and her mop, walking right towards the stage. And the man comes over the microphone. Ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for Cheyenne. <laughs> I look over at Luke and I said, dude, if that's Cheyenne, I'm leaving right now. I'm not sitting down. And she starts shaking her head and turns right around and goes off stage. Yeah, she gets right to the steps and turns and walks away. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if they meant to do that. Like, if that, Cheyenne's her name, and they were like, oh. It's totally. That's But, you know, after hilarious. that, we were fast friends. Um, they they did anything I told them to do. I mean, I just had to do hand signals for putting right. on their gloves. The other safety guys were like, how do you do that? It's like, you catch more flies. With honey than with vinegar right then we That's disappeared from each other after that job ended we didn't talk to each other anymore we had no need to converse or anything like that so we went our separate ways as it is on a job site i mean every yeah. every time you go to a new job site you're building a relationship with this new family and then when the job site's over with you leave and you never speak to these people again if you're lucky you run to them down the way sometime um but I was scrolling through TikTok probably a year later, and there he is on TikTok. Yep, I had and I'm my like, teenage daughters. I know that, that guy went from Musically to TikTok, and so I was just keeping track of all the trends, and they hated that I know everything. <laughs> and so I opened my phone to find his number. Maybe it's the same one, you know. I right. sent him a message. I was like, "Hey, dude, I just seen you on TikTok." And we started conversing again. Um, we both found out that we have daughters born within a week of each other. Yeah, his daughter has vampire fangs like me. Kind of yeah. weird. but So, I mean, our relationship picked back up there. And he had a friend that they were talking about doing a podcast. And yeah, this kind of ties guy. into one of the questions you ask us. Fear, you know. Um, the other guy so, kept, he always had an opinion about everything. But he, he didn't have a whole lot of experience in the construction field, and he was one of these uh, assistant project manager type of things. And I knew he was he was coming up on the, the chopping block to get laid off, and it was pre-COVID layoffs and everything. Mm -hmm. And I was a corporate safety guy. I, I knew I was, wasn't going nowhere, but I kept saying, hey, man, as a backup plan, let's let's do a podcast. You know, you, you take care of the sports, restaurants, and anytime you have an opinion about everything, he – he was an odd duck. He 
He's one of the few Democrats I know that was uh, gun-toting and, and right. loved guns. Um, but he wasn't, like, too anal about being big, beautiful, and black and, and a Democrat. But, uh, you know, he, he was always asking questions. Because I was the only Mormon white guy vampire he knew. And, you know, politically, I'd always ask my wife, hey, what are we voting this year? And it, it would change. Right. But we had another buddy... He's just, he was more annoying and, and he just always assumed the worst of me, but it was fun to have the back and forth, but lo and behold, he wouldn't do it. And so I, I always complained to Robert on my drive home. Cause I I'm driving from Cincinnati to Dayton's about an hour sometimes. And they made it worse. I'm like an hour and 20 minutes mm. now. So I got three hours every day to entertain myself somehow. Right. But, he calls me and he says, I really want to do this podcast. You know, I think it's a really fun idea and I think it's something that we could do. And I was like, and he won't do it with you? And he goes, no, he won't do it. And I was like, give me an hour and call me back. Yep. During this hour, I've got a little shed in my backyard. I ran an Ethernet cord, a 50-foot Ethernet cord all the way out to Get my the shed. chicken out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Put up a little uh, wooden desk in there, hung right. up a flag in the background, and... We went with it. He came up with the logo too. Nice, you know. And I didn't even knew he knew how to use a computer. Fear. <laughs> when you ask about fear, you know, um, you ask, uh, "What is your relationship to fear?" And that, yeah, that's a really good question. I'm not afraid of anything. Nothing. Well, hang on. We'll get. We'll okay. get to. There's, okay. there's one thing. There's one <laughs> okay. thing that I am afraid of. Okay. Okay. And I am deathly afraid of. When it comes to public speaking, making a fool of myself, taking off my clothes in public, I don't care. I'm, I'm not afraid of it. Okay. But spiders. <laughs> I will strip down naked and run through my town, down Main Street. But when it comes to spiders, I will squeal like a little girl. That seems to be part of, of every person I've known that is afraid of spiders. They, for some reason, their clothes fall off, too. Like when the spider shows up, it's just—it's not yeah. on you. It's still right there. It's just—it's okay. Well, see, um, my lady, she'll tell me that my relationship with spiders is even weird, because as long as it's over there and I know it's over there, I'm fine with it. I just don't want it touching me. What about Spider Man? Oh, I'm cool with Spider Man. <laughs> beers every weekend. Okay, see, all that, right. That—that that comes to my fear. Uh, my wife's a redhead, so you know most of our costumes for Halloween uh, revolves around that. And she was uh, Mary Jane Watson, and I was—I did the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. I had a full-on suit. Nice. And she was teaching elementary school, and she's like, "Hey, it'd be fun if you brought some Halloween candy to the kids." And it was just her kindergarten class, and they brought me out to the uh, playground, and it was the entire elementary school. And she's got some pictures and stuff. And we're showing this to my, my daughters in a scrapbook. And I'm like, that's the day I almost died. So I, I started handing out candies to the kids. And they they started just crowding around me. And then start pulling me down. And I'm doing the math. I'm like 40 pounds times about 100. Oh, my gosh, <laughs> I'm going to die. So I, I throw all these kids off of me and start throwing candy around. Get them away, and then I v-lined it to the uh, the monkey bars, and it was just like 
you know, World War Z, all these kids clamoring <laughs> on top of each other, and Spider-Man's up on top, looks at the sideline, my fiance and the other teachers are all laughing, and it's all funny. But I'm seeing a flash, the news report in my head, local man died today, dressed up as Spider-Man, trampled by dozens of kids. I'm like, totally. this is what's going to happen. And the other little kids on the outside that weren't climbing up are all chanting, shoot your weapon. I'm like, I got nothing, kids. <laughs> and so I don't know how I got down, but somehow I somersaulted, whatever, got behind the teachers, and then the bell rang finally. And it was that day I realized, it's not that I'm afraid of little kids. It's afraid of crowds coming mm. after me. I can, I can speak in front of a crowd, uh, teach in front of people, give speeches and stuff be in a crowd, be at a concert, but when the crowd turns on you, I don't care who you are. They always say it's fight or flight. No, it was both. I, I'm going to throw everybody out of the way and then run and keep fighting until it, it's it just, you don't know until you're in that kind of life and death situation, what you're going to do. <laughs> The fear is real, man. The fear is real. Whether it's a group of radical kindergartners coming after your candy or whether it's a janitor stripper who I don't even know if you want to see dance on stage or maybe it is uh, being down at Epstein Island. You know, it's I don't know, man. The fear is out there, right? The fear is oh, out there. Oh, man. I, well, and I, I love to make fun of Luke's fear um, being attacked by children because, you know, it, it's one of those things where I'm I'm a 34-year-old man. I think I could kick any kindergartner's ass. I'm not scared of but kindergartners. It's wrong, though, right? It's wrong, you, though. You don't, you don't feel it at all. I mean, when you punch punching bags and grown men or, like, walls, you can feel it. But little kids, you don't feel it at all. It's like, you can't feel nothing. You're just trying to get out of there. Viewer discretion. Luke really doesn't punch little kids. Right. <laughs> we we have to put a disclaimer across the bottom of right. our screen. We've got a ticker that just goes. <laughs> yeah, I was watching. I was watching some of your stuff, and it seems like uh, you had a show about uh, lesbians a while back where some you got pretty pissed off at you guys. <laughs> That's a good one. So, yes, that, that was all about. That was a very good show. Um, we had a supporter at the time who was lesbian. And um, we were meeting up in Springfield, Missouri. Luke and myself, we had to go there to meet up to do some stuff. That and was first first book release tour. I live in Oklahoma and he lives in Ohio. So we meet up at Collecticons and stuff like that to promote his book, promote the podcast and everything else. And we were meeting up in Springfield, Missouri. And these people were like, can we meet up with you guys? We'd love to meet you guys. And we're like, yeah, sure, come on. So we paid for their motel room, and they come up and hung out with us. Her and her Make it sound so weird. Like, hey, we 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 got a hotel room with a couple of lesbians. <laughs> it's going to be great. My yeah. old lady was there, too. It, it's fine, okay? She likes um, to watch. Yeah. <laughs> So in that podcast, we had them there. We, were, we weren't even scheduled to really do a podcast that night, but we thought, you know, why not? We've got them here. Um, let's ask a bunch of questions that we're too stupid to really know about the lesbian lifestyle, right? We right. Went the questions through. that you always wanted to ask, 
I think we went through the A to Z of, of, of you know, the LGBT. You know, it, okay. that's what we should have done that episode like that. But it was, it kind of just happened. Yeah. It, and that that's one of the things that we really strive for. We're, we're live all the time, you know. So right. if we make a mistake, we make a mistake right here. And you can backpedal or whatever you want, but it's out there. And that's, that's what helps me, I believe, alleviate the fear of it is I know that if I say something, I have no filter. So it goes from my brain out my mouth. Done. Yeah. And if I say something, then I know that that must have been what I, th- what I was thinking when I said it. Yeah. Fair enough. You're, you need to not be afraid to back what you're saying. I, I felt it. I, it felt right. I thought about it. And at the time, that's what, in my wisdom, I thought was the right thing to say or what the moment needed. <laughs> Didn't know it was going to offend people. Dude, we, did, <laughs> we did a podcast where I had a clipping from a, a, an article in marriage.com. Okay. How how to be a how toxic, to not be a how toxic to not be a person. toxic person. We said we said uh, bish b i s h, and we're just messing with it. But at the time, we had some some subscribers. We I had some family, pe- you know, extended family and people. But we tried not to say anybody's names. We try we try to leave you know names of people out of, from yeah. work out of it. Just. just because we're talking about ideas, not necessarily about people. Smart. But I'm reading this, how not to be this way. And it was just kind of a self-identification quiz. And uh, an extended family member took it personal and thought I was talking about them. If, but mm. I was talking about my wife. <laughs> <laughs> so that but, led to three strikes on YouTube. Yeah. Well, and the other thing was. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, during the 2020 election, Robert was a huge Trump supporter. Yeah. He, he's toned down a lot. I had a Trump flag in the background, Trump 2020. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And, and um, I was just guilty by association. But oh. Luke said that you've recently turned on Trump, Robert. <laughs> okay. He said, <laughs> he's, he's toned it down. Okay, okay. But I, I haven't turned on Trump. I do not feel... <laughs> Like 2024 is the appropriate time for Trump because I feel like so closely after Biden, and, and I'm sorry to make this a political podcast now, it's but fine, um, I feel like so close to after Biden, so we went from Trump, Biden, Trump again. I feel like that's going to be a mistake because he's instantly going to be met with all the same stuff that he had beforehand. Mm. All, all the resistance that was there that was building up, it's going to come back full force and at the beginning of his term, just hit him again like a brick wall, so not letting him do. Pose tonight a suggestion that he bring in, you know, a good running mate to and endorse them as the presidential candidate and be their vice president mm. and guide them and make them the 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 strength and he's the crutch and 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 he can be the training wheels and walk them through it. And then if yeah, he, he would decides, be a good vice president, if he decides he could do it another term, then, then be president afterwards and switch. 
But if he, you know, sees that the swamps, it's just, it just goes too deep and, and the corruption's too much and he's getting too old, you know, he could decide he's, he's, he's not ready to do this anymore. Right. Bow out. But he seems healthy, happy, and ready to take anything that comes at him. So, I, and this is what's nice about Robert and I, we don't always agree. And in this point, I disagree. I think now would be a good time for him to do his last leg as president, set the precedence for a good running mate and introduce us to his next partner because he, he picked poorly the first time. That's the dumbest <laughs> idea I ever heard. Right? But yeah, but Robert likes to just, you know, throw stuff out kind of like a Democrat where it, it's uh, he states it as it's a fact, but it's his opinion. And I have to remind people, no, that's an opinion, not a fact. So what about RFK, what do you guys like about you guys like that guy? I can't understand a damn word he says. And I wish someone would translate for me and I have to like get real close. I'm 75% deaf. And so his poor throat condition, I'm just like, what is he saying? Well, the thing with RFK for me is that right there, he, he sounds almost robotic when he talks. So we're so bad. We're so mean sometimes. We just, just But no, he has really good points. Right. Yeah. He's coming from a good heritage, but then in the same side, you, you've just got to look at everything with a grain of salt because, you know, we, we can trust people. And then when you really see that it's just two wings of, of yeah. the same bird, you know, or, you know, the idea is that no matter who becomes president, they get brought into a room with the, the deep state. And it's all the three letter acronym organizations sitting there saying, well, here's everything we got on you. And here's people and, watching all your loved ones and family. Right, and if you right. don't and on the most ball, recent podcast, we talked about the fact that you love. we had a presidential campaign slogan made. Okay. Be the okay. people. That's one of the things we say all the, all the time. Instead of we the people, it's be the people. Because mm. you need to be the people that stand up for this stuff. Um, yeah. You know, and we said Brown Harris 2024 and all of this, but. In that podcast, we were talking about the recent Joe Rogan RFK where Joe Rogan's being yeah. attacked and he's putting this stuff out there, you know, misinformation, which we've been hit with misinformation before. Um, and we were talking about that. And like I said in that podcast, don't take it serious. Don't don't vote for your YouTube people. Right. Don't go out and write your YouTube celebrities name in there. Don't write our name in there because this is a serious election. And if you write my name in, you're throwing away your vote. Because I, I don't I have 150 million people that are going to vote for me. So let's I not said, take look, it serious. Hypothetically, it could happen. <laughs> this could be this could be the podcast that does it. It, it could. This guy, this guy, he could take us off right now. Well, um, we're starting right here. I'll be the campaign manager. There we, there we go. <laughs> Listen, we we've been needing that. I mean, I know we need a mediator. That's why I, that's why I contacted you guys, man. <laughs> so what what is your favorite where what is your backstory? I mean, we've taken over your podcast anyway, hijacked it. We've been talking the whole time. <laughs> what, I love what's it, your man. backstory? Well, I spent a lot of time uh, as a UPS truck driver. I spent about 26 years there. And it's interesting you talk about OSHA because you know, my 
lived experience as a UPS driver has taught me that safety is really, really important unless it gets in the way of production. And Y'all then it just takes a backseat. You drive around <laughs> know, with no man. doors. I know. I know. And so, uh, you know, I, I, um, I did that for about 26 years. I started off in San Diego. I, I moved out to Hawaii when I was right around 30. I was, uh, I was doing pretty good. You know, I was making pretty good money. I uh, had, a, had a 1976 Cadillac Eldorado, Volkswagen Beetle. You know, I was, I was living the dream. I lived in a little condo by the water. I had a little fishing boat, man. I, I was killing it. I also had a big, you know, I, I would take my money and I would spend it on drugs and strippers. And then the rest I would spend completely foolishly. And so, you know, after a while I figured out like, what, what am I doing, man? Like I, it, it was a very fun time, but it was also pretty empty. So I just thought, this is it. I need to figure something else out. So I, I put my name on a transfer list. I came out to Hawaii. I sold all my crap and I condensed my life to two black bags. And after I sold everything, I had like two grand and two black bags. Flew to Hawaii, you know, on the plane, I'm doing shots like, yeah, man, I'm going to Hawaii. And then I landed and I, I sat inside the uh, terminal and almost started crying because I realized I did no research. I never been here. I don't have a car, no place to live. Got nothing. And I was like, what the fuck did I do? I just, what did I do? This is the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> and so I sat there for a while. I finally picked myself up and got a little shuttle out to a, a shuttle bus. They took me to Waikiki, took me to some little motel on the backside, stayed there for a little bit, got on a Craigslist, found a place to live, bought myself a moped, and um, went to work, started working. Uh, a few About a year in, I met a beautiful girl that was also from California. She's 100% Laotian, but she, her family had moved to California. She moved out here. Um, we started dating for a couple years, uh, got married, bought a couple places, sold a place, had a couple kids. And then, um, recently my career with UPS, man, I, I found myself in this position where I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, so I, I've always been big into psychedelics, man. Like I, I love LSD mushrooms, smoking weed. Like I love it. It's really awesome. And I think more people should do it if they can handle it. Right. That being said, you know, I, I, I found myself with while at work about seven years ago, like I was just in a, I was like, these, some of these people here are fucking dumb, man. I don't fucking like them. And this one guy at my work, I, I was really upset with him because I, I didn't know why. I was just always mean to him, but I thought I was just talking shit to him, right? I was like, this guy's a fucking pussy, you know? And I would say things to him. It was like mean stuff. Yeah. When my, my friend pulled me aside and he's like, why are you so mean to that guy, George? I'm like, nah, I'm just busting his balls, man. And like, no, you're, you're kind of, you're kind of being a dick. I was like, really? <laughs> Okay, let me think about that for a while. So I came home, and then that night, like, I took a bunch of mushrooms, man, and I was sitting there thinking about it, like, why am I being like that? Like, I am kind of being mean to that. And then it hit me, oh, I don't like him because he's weak. And as soon as I thought that, boom, something flipped in my mind. I go, no, no, you're weak, George. And that guy just reminds you that you're weak. And I was like, I get goosebumps telling that story. I'm like, holy shit. I'm a big pussy. I'm weak. And I just see, like, that guy's a mirror, man. That guy's a mirror. And I just see myself in him. Holy cow. So I had to That's go apologize. Deep, man. What's true, bro? It's so <laughs> true, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and so, he, like, this is the beginning of the story, man. So <clears throat> I go and I apologize. And I'm like, hey, man, I'm an asshole. And I'm super sorry for saying those mean things. You know, I, what I saw was that when I look at you, I realize how weak I am. And it was really hard for me to, diff it was really difficult for me to, to take that. So I just took it out on you. 
And he's like, yeah, I figured you're just an asshole. But <laughs> he was super cool about it. Totally forgave me. And like, I moved on from there. So from that point, I was like, okay, I have a problem with That's being a weak. So. mental health thing to be able to do. A men's mental health. To be yeah. able to admit that you've done something wrong and be able to express it to the person that you've wronged. Dude, that's therapy, huge. Bro. Yeah. yeah, I I think it comes from mushrooms. Man. Like, I, I really think that the psychedelic experience allows you to see yourself in a position that you've never seen before. Kind of opens up this avenue where you can see yourself in an objective perspective. You know what I mean by that? You're like, oh, like I'll give you an example. Like, we all know people who've been in a relationship. And you're like, that's never going to work because you could see it. You'd be like, that shit ain't never going to work. But if you ask both of them, they're like, oh, we're in love, man. We're in love. Yeah. Dude, together forever. You know, and then you're like, yeah, okay. But you this can't is my see ride it. Ride. Yeah, dude. <laughs> and so if I go going back full circle, you know, I, I found this problem with weakness and I go, okay, I, I want to help other people figure this out. So I should probably tell other people how to be strong. So I tried that for a while. That didn't work because no one, no one wants to tell you. No one likes it when you tell them what they should do. So then I had to think about it again. I go, well, maybe the best way I can help this is take old Gandhi's line and try to be the change that you want to see in the world. So then I started trying to tighten up my game a little bit. You know, I started trying to set a better example. I started standing up for myself and I started feeling better. And then other people saw me standing up and they're like, hey man, that, that was pretty cool. Hey, I got this problem, George. <clears throat> and then it got to a point where, you know, we would have like, same on a job site, we would have these morning meetings at UPS where the management would come out and they would be like, all right, so today we're going to talk about safety. You know, uh, it's real hot out there, so I drink a lot of water. And uh, by the way, you guys are all four hours over allowed, and no one's meeting production standards. And uh, Bob got in an accident, but we're not going to report it because we got too many accidents, and uh, you guys got to stick it, you know. It's a finally. You know exactly what all the safety shit's about, too. Yeah. Dude, After four years, like you're like, yeah, George, you're going to be sitting in the fucking air conditioner all day. Calm down, all right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I would stand up there and be like, you know, the problem with what you're saying is, is it's all bullshit. You guys don't care at all about safety. You guys only care about numbers. And take a look behind me. There's men and women who have given their life to this company. And it's completely irreversibly undermining your credibility when you stand up here and you say things you don't mean. So I don't appreciate it. I think you owe us all an apology. <laughs> you know, just, ah, yeah, yeah, everyone's all fired up. Well, that didn't last too long. Okay. So I started getting pulled in the office, you know, and I, but I was really, luckily, I'm pretty good with my words and I found ways to explain to the people in higher positions why what they were doing was wrong. And I could do it in a way that was irrefutable. I started talking about production and I showed them their numbers and I go, look, you're not accounting for all the variables here. How are you going to get the right equation if you don't measure all the variables, man? And so shortly after that talk, you know, I, uh, I brought back a bunch of stuff and then all of a sudden there was like this big storm and they're like, Hey, we're going to let you go for all these things that I didn't do. And so it was basically a retaliation move. And so that point I started just podcasting full time. And it was, it's one of these things that I've also learned that the biggest tragedies in your life become the greatest gifts. If you can sort of incorporate them, if you can, you know, take the time to figure out a way to integrate the problems in your life, they become a beaming light for you to follow. Like, like when I was weak, okay, I got to do something about this. Okay, be the example. Same thing for you guys doing a podcast. Like you guys are becoming examples of what you want people to be like, right? Like writing a book, writing a script, going out on the road. Like I think that that's what we all share in common is a lot of us that are creating right now 
are trying to become the best versions of ourselves so that we can become an example for other people. That's my story. That's my background, man. What do you think? What it sounds like is one of the things we, we close off every episode of the podcast with me saying, be a champion. If not for yourself, Love do it. it for someone else. And yeah. that's what it sounds like you were trying to do, man. You want to right. be a champion for other people. And that's the people that we need more of in this world. Right. Um, but Luke, Luke tells it all see, the time. Uh, see, I found it from, uh, I found it in a book called uh, the, uh, the dream giver and Tom Wilkinson, he was a pastor. He was trying to write a modern parable and um, yeah. So I knew you'd write that down, <laughs> but um, I, I liked your, I liked your goal. I read that in the bio, uh, trying to read a hundred books a year. That's pretty good. Um, I'm just trying to get through writing 500 pages a year, but um, that's a challenge in itself, man. See the, the thing he was talking about in the dream giver, he has a, uh, the land of familiar, everybody's ordinary. Everyone's a nobody, but this kid woke up one day, found a dream on his windowsill in the form of a, a feather and, and he sparked an idea. He wanted to know where this feather came from. He, he, it gave him a fire to go out and, and find where his dream was. Right. And he started, he wanted to become a somebody. He didn't want to be a nobody anymore and leave the land of familiar. And in order to do that, you have to go out of your comfort zone. Comfort yep. zone is where dreams go to die. And to, so to leave the land of familiar, they literally had a bridge that you had to cross. And a lot of times, much like the other monkeys in society, if other monkeys try to climb up the rope to get to the bananas, the older monkeys have seen that it fails because the scientists pushed the button and shot the fire hose at the previous monkeys. So they're all conditioned. Yeah. None of the other monkeys want anyone to succeed. So they will pull you down. And these people unintentionally are, are border bullies. Mm. Anytime you change your comfort zone, it affects everyone else's comfort zone. There was a Japanese expression, a word for, you know, an idea that there are a billion versions of you in the world. Because in everyone else's mind, you're a different person than wow. you are to, your, to yourself. So we see ourselves differently than everybody else sees us. They all have an idea, a box that they want us to fit in, that comfort zone. And when we start changing it, it messes with their paradigm. They're like, what, what am I if he becomes successful? Mm -hmm. If he publishes his books, you know, what level of success am I? Am I ready for J.K. Rowling's level? Am I ready for even mediocre Stephanie Meyer's level? I mean, what are we... What are we ready for? And what happens is people will either consciously or unconsciously push their agendas on you. And they'll be there at the border to try to stop you from leaving the comfort zone. And it's usually people that love you. Yeah. But really, they love their comfort. They love their comfort zone and they don't want you to leave because they're afraid of what happens to them. If you grow. Yeah. And so what you have to have is a champion. And so Robert's my champion like 98% of the time, except for when we disagree on like yeah. minor topics in podcast. But 
He believes in everything I'm doing wholeheartedly. You know, I tell him I need to learn a program. He'll start learning the program. And, and even if it's just painful to watch, he's learning it. And he's doing all these things and being supportive in any way, shape, or form. Thurman ZBrush videos are horrible. Don't watch those. <laughs> oh, gosh. And that's, I'm, well, a side note, I'm trying to get my kids to, I'm like, look, we could conquer YouTube because the only people doing self-help motivational or, or any kind of instruction videos are either from Australia, India, or Germany. Mm-hmm. And there's not enough American accents teaching instructional videos <laughs> but um anyways so a champion so a champion usually steps up and they say hey it's okay to go follow your dreams go see where it takes you and just know the comfort zone's here if you ever need to come back but i don't want you coming back yeah i don't want you to be comfortable and, and you know I've, I've had to say this to my dad because my dad's always trying to get me to live his dreams Mm-hmm. He he always wanted to become somebody, but he didn't didn't pursue it enough. And I told him the reason why I'm always uncomfortable is you know I got scoliosis, one leg shorter than the other, made me deaf, uh, vampire fangs. I'm weird. <laughs> I'm always uncomfortable. I got arthritis and everything. I'm always uncomfortable. I cannot sit still. I have nervous energy all the time, and these demons in my head all I don't. I don't see words. I see the movie. Mm. I know it. I know what it's supposed to look like. And, and that's, that right there is you. one of the big problems that we agree on and we both have. You, as a book reader, you know the story too. You read the book. You have this story envisioned in your mind. Another director comes along, changes everything about it, turns it into the new Little Mermaid. We'll just use yeah. that as an example. And now you're sitting there, this, this book that you love, that you enjoyed, is trash on the screen. And, and it's not that she's a bad singer. It's that I don't like seeing Sebastian the Crab as a real crab. That's what <laughs> freaks me out. And so we, we talked about it a long time ago. You know, obviously, Luke could sell his story script to Netflix or whoever and right. just be done with it, make the money off of it, continue on. But that compromises the story that's in his mind. So we decided that with this podcast, when our podcast kicks off and as we grow the podcast and bring in subscribers and followers and stuff like that, then we'll use that money to press forward with his dream and turn the books into a movie directed by the author himself, the person that wrote them. So what you'll see on the screen is the story that's in his head, the story that plays in his dreams. His Yeah. Boom, turn that around a circle. How'd you like that shit? That was beautiful. <laughs> I wouldn't even go in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. there's something beautiful about being able to translate vision into reality. You know, and if you can take something from in here and put it out here for people to consume, you know, I, I think that that is not only a phenomenal job of becoming the best version of yourselves, but it's inspiring for other people to see. And the truth is, you know, I think a lot of people can do it, but we've, like you said, we've been conditioned to eat the slop they're serving us. Like, hey, eat this garbage. Like, we, we I, don't, I don't like garbage. Okay, you, you can have whatever you want to eat. You got the blue garbage or the yellow garbage. Well, that's not anything. You know, that's just still garbage, man. But you can do it. And I think, you know, and as soon as you figure out, okay, I'm going to 
if we take the money from the podcast or from the audio version or, or whatever it is you're doing, all of a sudden, once you've done your movie, now you've opened up an avenue to show other people. To do. You got a whole publishing house in front of you. You know what I mean? And that that becomes an incredible, incredible thing. But yeah, I which, love the which idea. is an idea that we have for the future. You know, we, yeah, because we want to take and build his movies first, obviously, and then sure. there is um, a ten year gap in between the stories that we want to do a TV show about. So there's always something coming out, and you're not stuck yeah. in waiting yeah. for two years. But well, we also then, want to take the benefits of that, the money that we make off of that, and pour back into people like Luke trying to tell a story, trying to write a book and say, look, um, yeah. we'd like to give you a million dollars to shoot your movie now from the benefits of this movie. We're just going to dump it over into you. We're going to pour a million dollars into your movie, your book, to shoot your idea. And yeah. I think we need to steer away from throwing the dollar amount out there and right. say, hey, look, we're going to we're gonna assign you a production team and right. they've got blank check, uh, you know, uh, carte blanche, and, and, and you just do what you need to. We'll rein it in if it gets too crazy, but, you know, we'll approve the scripts and everything like that. But, you know, the idea of the vision, we didn't want it getting ruined uh, and why it went from script to book was... I had a buddy I was a roommate with who was a script editor. They read the scripts. They pre-approve it for the producers. And he read it, and he's like, this reads like a book. It's, it, it's too visually descriptive for Hollywood. Hollywood mm. just puts car chase. You described how the car chase happens, from whose point of view, what's going on in it, and they won't like that. They, they, Michael Bay just wants to destroy cars. Yeah, and you, you just told him how to do it. They don't want you to tell them how to do their job. The other thing is Hollywood just pays the Writers Guild uh, rate was like 10 percent of what it, the production cost would be. So, you know, typical million dollar rom-com movies, low budget and everything. They pay you one hundred thousand dollars for your script and that's it. And you get credit and over. You may or may not be consulted on it. And, you know, they have you show up at, at you know, red carpet stuff and see, I, I want to take a moment and tell a story yeah. that I don't like reading. I, I absolutely hate reading books. I feel like it's a waste of time for me. <laughs> now, with that being said, Luke come out with his book. And as a friend, as a co-host, of course, I supported him. And there was a whole year on the podcast. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go check out Luke's book. You know, he would promote it. Tell everybody yeah. else to read it. Yeah, I would tell everybody to read it. And Luke, we were talking about it on the podcast one day, and he's like, are you ever going to read my book? And I'm like, yeah, 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 I'll read it. <laughs> and he messaged me one day. We were on the phone, and I was like, look, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'm going to go number two, and I'll take your book in there with me. I'll sit down. I'll read it, and I'll let you know what I think. And he's like, yeah, 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 sure. I said, I'll call you back after I get out of the bathroom. So he calls me back three hours later. Three hours later, I answer my phone, and he's like, so what do you think? And I was like, what do I think about what? And he's like, the book. I'm like, I'm still reading it, dude. I just come in here. He goes, no, that was three hours ago. And I looked, and sure enough, it was three hours ago. I spent three hours on the toilet reading Nightmares, Volume 1 of the Dream Diary, because I got sucked into his book. Yeah, I, that's the biggest That's the that's biggest hilarious. comment. I, I That's compliment comment whatever i get from people is that i i took it in the bathroom 
it was going to be my bathroom reader. I was going to, you know, because I get it. You see a big size book. It's like 300, 400 page. I don't remember. And they're just like, oh, this is going to take forever. And before they know it, they're like, uh, it was like a half hour later, an hour later. I couldn't feel my legs, but I was sucked in the book and I wasn't going to stop. 12 hours, 12 hour read time. That should be on the back of the book. You know how like, you have like all the comments from like all the things on the book? I took this into the bathroom at 6. I didn't leave till 6 p.m. I, yeah. <laughs> I didn't stop reading till I couldn't feel my legs. It's, it's a 12-hour <laughs> read. Um, I, I consider myself an average to fast reader when it comes to stuff. So it's a 12-hour read. Um, the second book is about an 8-hour read. But by far, the second book is my favorite. Well, because he only likes it because I had him as a consultant for, uh, you know, being a biker and everything. But so he had some feedback in there and I gave him a dedication. It's great. But um, the the idea, though, is that each new uh, book is a new narrator. The Mm -hmm. diary gets passed like a torch. And so you're not stuck with uh, poor manic depressant Bella Swan for four books. In Twilight, pining over a vampire, you get a different person, a different set of issues, a different perspective, and then I don't get stuck, you know, being bored with the characters I'm writing. I can walk away from a character, and they can be a fun cameo later. It, it would yeah. be like if Harry yeah. Potter, the first book was narrated through Hermione Granger's eyes. The second one was through Ron Weasley. The third one was through Harry Potter. And the yeah. fourth one was through Professor Snape or something, you know, it's it's passed on through that way. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, if, if you're doing omnipresent narrator, you can you can go through anyone's perspective, flashbacks, whatever. The problem with first person narrative is anything, any side stories, any flash, anything, they have to figure out how they're telling that story. How is this person going to share that event? So that's why, why I like the idea of surrealism, being mm. able to have shared visions, shared dreams. Um, I explore the idea of lucid dreaming, um, basically like dream dream traveling and visitation into other he people's he dreamscapes. He knows what this is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. A lot, a lot, of, people, a lot of people that follow you will pretty much like what I'm, what I'm throwing down here. Yeah. But, um, I've met some interesting people because I have vampire teeth. It's just <laughs> normal. Um, they weren't, you know, had them since birth and everything, but um, I I can smell blood. It is weird. It's like a shark thing. <laughs> right. Well, some of my kids have it too. They're like, what's that smell? It's <laughs> weird. It's like the smell of wet rust in the house. And you're like, what's going on? And then you go upstairs and some kid's got a bloody nose. You're like, oh, we could follow that. That was weird. <laughs> but I, I, I've met a lot of people. I worked with some people that, you know, were, it, they were into, they were actually practicing Wiccans and doing that before Hot Topic showed up and, and they had to make their own clothes and all that <laughs> stuff. So like they would talk to me and, and try to tell me things. And I had like a natural understanding of a lot of stuff. So I've done research and looked into it, but it's like, the idea is that the dream diary eventually will be one whole book. Uh, the final spell book will be the last book, and it will have any remaining 
short stories, anything else I want to do in that. But typically the whole series is going to be nine books when we're done. And then like RJ said, we're going to fill in the gaps because I give, I give like a year or a couple years for the timeline and the characters to mature between books. And so we'll have filler stories in there, but we're going to flagship all this on our own streaming service q for you plus when we become like our own Netflix. And, you know, if it becomes an anime version an animation mm. version first, or if uh, we do live action anytime soon, then that's where it will be found exclusively there. I've been trying to figure out how I would even, you know, sell shares or anything, but mm. you know, I know we're going to get approached once it goes viral. But if we even just get a, a niche, small army of fishnet wearing goth chicks following us of like a hundred thousand, <laughs> we'll be able to make it exactly the way we want it to be, you know, a little bit above CW quality, uh, you know, supernatural and small bills just around there. Should be just fine. And but, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna take a minute to do the shameless self promo if you don't mind. <laughs> um, so what we do, our our idea that we found works for us is we have subscribers over at q4upodcast.com. That's our website. You can click subscribe now. You can watch all of our episodes that we have on there. Um, and that that's our website that we manage. You pay five dollars a month to subscribe. You're included in all the content. You get to watch any of it at any point in time. It's all there for you, all free. And that's our GoFundMe, I guess you would say. So with that $5 a month subscription, at the end of every month, the last Saturday of every month, this time it'll be the first of the month. But, we but do, if we remember. Yeah, if we remember. Um, <laughs> so if we have 50 subscribers, we'll give away $50 to one person. If we have 400 subscribers, we'll give away $400, 10000 10000 and so on and so forth. That way it's giving back to the people that support us. Now, I understand that not everybody wins. It's like a lottery. But at the same time, it's our way of giving back because nobody ever gives back. Do you see Netflix giving some random person a free month even? No, they don't care. And we want to show that we care in that way. That's why we're fine doing a podcast about everyday average Joe if they want to come on. You know, we're, we're not in it for the glory, so I guess you would say. Celebrities Let's... cost money. And somehow <laughs> we, we talked to Chuck Norris, and he's just too old to do it right now. But Yeah. But we're working on celebrities. You know what I think about celebrities, though, is like by the time someone's a celebrity, like kind of all the magic has already happened. You know what I mean by like that? Like they're already – like by the time you get on Rogan, you're already, you're already there. You already did it. And that's cool. I'm not saying those people aren't interesting. Like, that, dude, it's probably pretty awesome to hear some of those stories. What was the transition like? Or how is it now that you have this giant mansion? Or, yeah. hey, man, like, it's cool. I get it. And it's intoxicating. But I think that talking to someone who's in the fight, who's on the front lines, who is, who is me or you right now, like, those are the kind of people I identify with. And, like, that to me is like, oh, oh, they're doing that. Maybe I should think that, you know? And, like, yeah. it just seems so much more like authentic to talk to somebody who's struggling to make it from day to day or, but has the vision. That's where you can get the real tools of like this fucking person is going to work every day. They got a family and they're doing this. Okay. Okay. I can do it too. Then you know what I mean? Like that's where the meat is. I think 
we have a gentleman that comes on our show every once in a while when he can, when he's available. He is actually stationed for the Israeli forces. Yeah. And, I mean, we hide his identity. We don't show a picture of him. We just call him the insider. But he talks about stuff that's going on over there because he's in the active military forces. Right. And when there was the bombing from Syria and all that stuff, you know, he was he was there. And it, it's fun to talk to right. that kind of person. You know, your <laughs> local business owners, your your people, like you said, that's going out there every day and busting their back just to try to survive. And they also find that little bit of time for their dream. Yeah, we have people that will ask us on at, at conventions because there's like, man, you know, I've, I've, I've been writing a book and I want to do I want to do this. What advice? I'm like, just keep going one day at a time. Yeah. Even if you're doing a half hour a day, it's still more than nothing. I mean, you got 365 days a year. You wrote one page. That's a 365 page book. It may not be the best book, may not be right. cohesive, may take another three more months to edit. But at least you wrote it. Yeah. Unless you're like Luke, who doesn't edit his book. He just hits the little button on Amazon and publishes it. And then I get the first copy and I sit down and I read through those it. Those are special. They, people, they, those are collector's items someday. Right. You know, the rare evidence that the writer's really human. Yeah. He has, he has one copy of the second book that has my pen marks in it from where I sit down and read the book. I was like, oh, that's wrong. Those are my personal copies. Yeah. The copies he mails back to me so I can fix the mistakes. But yeah. it's proof that he read a book. <laughs> it reminds me too. I saw um I saw two instances of this. One was I read an article about uh I don't think it was Banksy. It, it may have been. For just for the story, we'll pretend it was it. And uh, he was in he, he set up shop at like some New York like a uh, like a festival, you know, it was like a street festival, like a, like a craft fair. And he was, he had a bunch of his paintings there and stuff. And he was selling them for like 60 bucks. And like people would walk by and be like, mm, nah, mm, nah. And like three people bought them for like 60 bucks a piece. turns out each one of those things is like $250,000. There was another story about a, a violinist who was playing in the subway. And like, Josh, he just said it was Josh Bell. Yeah. Josh right. Bell. I've heard played that one. One of the most incredible pieces. Just put his violin case out there on a like a Stratocaster, like a million dollar, three million dollar <laughs> violin, you know, or whatever. It's a, just, a million dollars. Made like thirty bucks. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, like brilliance is all around us. You writing a book, like if you look at the garbage that comes out of Hollywood, like it's it's just been bastardized. The artist has been taken out of the final product in order to make it profitable for everyone else around them. They've diluted the talent, got rid of them because of greed and selfishness, and they've pushed the real talent back to the bottom. But like, that's where we're the best. Like, look at what we're doing, man. I'm, I'm not saying we're the greatest in the world, but look, our talent, I think, and, and I say our talent, meaning the average person out there, the average person's ability to create content or be beautiful or do something worthwhile is greater than or equal to any sort of celebrity out there because you're doing everything and creating. Imagine if all you had to do full time, if you didn't have a family, if you had a nanny, if you had a cook, do you, imagine what you could create. Like you have everything, but you know what? Maybe, maybe you can't create at that level because you don't have any struggle. You don't have any fights. So that very thing that you have to fight every day with is the very thing that allows you to create in your life. I, I think it's all around us, man. 
Yeah. If you were too comfortable, you're not going to perform. You're you're enjoying your comfort zone. Oh, uh, I don't go. need to do that today. I can do it tomorrow. Uh, it's it's not a big deal. You keep putting it off, and then your dream dies. Mm. I was trying to find this picture here. You were talking about artists. We we have these pictures on ours where we can show them. But this is the man that we were set up on the other side of at the last Collecticon. His yeah. Piece were he just has a series superheroes of like, superheroes on the toilets. On toilets. <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> Voldemort, uh, Mando, the Hulk, Superman, Captain America, and that's that's what we s- stared at for 24 hours was this right. guy's paintings of superheroes <laughs> on toilets. I mean, it could have been worse. He had to look at us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why not, man? Like, have you yeah. seen some of the modern art out there? Like, why not? Oh man! All it takes is yeah. one person, one celebrity, to buy that thing, and then boom. The roof. Look at, I, I think um Hunter Biden's been a pretty good artist as of lately, right? Right. <laughs> Look, and, and that's like what what people need to do is they need to combine a duet or stitch together Hunter Biden's artwork with a video on uh, you know it's uh, financial planning how to hide money is uh because art look. You know, <laughs> are, are you? Hang on, are you following all of this right now? Like, I am on the peripheral. So, like, I think I think I know most of it. Like, wh- what okay. part are you talking about? So, George, if you're if you're following all of this, okay. the Biden money scandal and all that, yeah, um, we do. We we designate. So we have our podcast set up for Tuesday Newsday. We want okay. Wednesday where we look back at an old movie. Theory Thursday. Theory Thursday. Where, yeah, where we talk about conspiracy theories. Uh, free Let's Mike talk Friday. about them. Yeah. Sometimes they become political theories, but other times we like to talk about Bigfoot or aliens or whatever. It's not terribly spooky because there's like a wiggle room there. It's like, well, is it a Thursday thing or is it a (laughs) scary thing? Do we put it on Spooky Saturday? So we have Spooky Saturday. We also do a streamer Saturday. We, I have all the stuff to do ghost hunts. Nice. I don't believe in it, but still I do it because why not? Um, So I, I've been following this Joe Biden taking money thing for a while now. And I was up at three o'clock in the morning on my computer do, 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 doing research because we believe in do your own research, research right. everything and then bring out what you know. Sure. And I stumbled upon a Web page. Um, it's finance.senate.gov. It's a legitimate government website where they have already looked into Hunter Biden and Joe Biden's finances from... It's that committee's findings. The Durham yeah. committee, I think. Yep. And it is the proof that everyone is looking for right now. And I have this webpage saved, and I can send you the documents from all this. He, and the He called me. He's like, do you ever have that feeling that you looked at something you weren't supposed to look at and you just feel all weird? I'm like, yeah, that's called paranoia. <laughs> it happens all the time. Yeah, it, it, it's it's all of the findings. And yes, Hunter Biden took a lot of money as payoffs. Yeah. And yes, Joe Biden's whole family has received payoffs. It, it's yeah. ridiculous. I'll use quotations so you don't get banned off of <laughs> Um, we, we know how that is. Uh, but all this stuff is out there for you to look at already. And... Like I said, I, I want to do a podcast over the whole 
page that I found, but it's going to be more than just an hour long that mm. we dedicate. You know, it's going to be a yeah. Typically, we just do an hour. That's that's how long some of us can be in a room and, and be patient with each other, or you know, somebody's not calling us during a podcast, interrupting our <laughs> I show. I had three phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys seen the BlackRock James O'Keefe thing that just kind of came out? No. Yeah. So you know how uh, James O'Keefe, he, uh, he's like the undercover sort of um, reporter, right? Like he sends mm-hmm. people to kind of undercover stuff. He had sent – I guess this girl has been doing a, you know, a mock sort of dating with this guy who was an employee with BlackRock. And they have him on tape just talking about like, yeah, you know, here at BlackRock, we pretty much – you know, war is really good for us because like we know if, if like the grain silo is going to get hit, we just buy the futures, you know, pretty much everybody at BlackRock owns everything. And look, you know, dominating the world is good for business. You know, most people are fucking retards and they're too dumb to even understand what we're doing and fuck them. Cause we don't really need them. You know, they're just a bunch of dummies, but like he, there's, and like, that was just like the teaser. So like, I, I think the real part, the real other part comes out today, but he just goes into detail about, Everything that's kind of happening at BlackRock, he's like, yeah, you could buy a senator for like $10,000. Those guys are so cheap. And every one of them is bought. All the banks own them. You know, and, and while it's sort of circumstantial evidence, he is an employee at BlackRock, and he is saying these things about what BlackRock and the other banks do. So I'm sure that on some level, you know, he has to at least be taken seriously. It's kind of now, fascinating to think about. Now, Dude, if you take that right there, what you just said, you know, BlackRock just sued Fox News, which mm. if you look at the financials, BlackRock all the money Fox News. So the money just recirculated. Now, we've done a whole podcast over well, this. Like Vanguard group. owns Fox. The and Vanguard Vanguard and BlackRock are. owns BlackRock. BlackRock isn't the largest group. It's the Vanguard group. Ah. The Vanguard group and BlackRock own um, a split percentage in most companies out of there. Of everything, yeah. Yeah. Diversified go portfolio. Back and follow it all the way to the very beginning. It goes to the BlackRock group is owned by, or the BlackRock is owned by the Vanguard group. See, and, and he's got this like weird nexus of where the internet filters through Oklahoma there before going off to Norway. <laughs> and so like he can find a bunch of stuff unfiltered untethered not erased off the internet yet right. and he's finding this stuff and we're usually like three to six months yeah. before most people <laughs> we're six and, months ahead of the curve on most and we're of this saying stuff. stuff and people are like they're crazy that's just crazy right yeah uh, right. well i mean look my my problem is kind of like you said i take a little infused jolly rancher yeah. I in front of my computer at three o'clock in the morning and I just go where I'm led and it's Down a the divine moment. <laughs> yeah, the emperor has no clothes, right? And then it's it comes back to conditioning because if you look at the way we're educated, you know, I talk about this on my podcast quite a bit, is that the the model of education we use came from like the Prussian model where kids are sent to a classroom where there's an authority figure that stands over them and then they're trained by bells and whistles. The, you have the to Rockefeller system. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a system of conditioning, right? Where you have to, where you're conditioned at an early age to ask for permission, to understand you're under authority, to not stack up too high, to not be too good to fit in. 
Yes, and that's, I, that's I am homeschooling my three-year-old, my four-year-old. <laughs> nice. Man, and, nice. and it's, it's bad enough that she's part of the new early generation called Generation Alpha, which gives me the bejeebies, willies. That they're, why don't we just call them the apex predators? <laughs> they know everything. They can yeah. un, they can jailbreak, not just unlock your phone, but jailbreak it. Yeah, and, and hack into. I mean, the, very the recently she was banned off of Roblox for 24 hours because someone with the username Arctic something was in there and broke into her house in one of the games, and she. Figured out on her own that if she hits the message button with her iPad and then hits the button that says microphone, she can speak and it types whatever she says. Yep. So she says, Arctic, you're a little bitch. Get out of my house. <laughs> and she's you, four. Arctic. Yeah, she's four years old. Fuck you, Arctic. You're a little bitch, bitch. And Roblox banned her for See, that, Yeah, and that was worse. The, the double emphasis on bitch made it worse. It's like... <laughs> You're not just a bitch. You're a bitch, bitch. You little bitch. You're someone else's bitch. Yeah, I mean, it was. <laughs> there was seven messages because she brings it to me, Daddy. I can't play Roblox, and I'm like, what? And I look at it. She and got says, You're Due to these comments, and there were seven of them there, and she's calling him a little bitch, bitch, and a little bitch fucker, and I'm like, oh my god, homeschooling so, great. <laughs> so we're gonna just fine. Right. So at that moment, I have. An option, right? I have to either discipline my child going by what Roblox says and not hearing her side of the story, or I can ask her for her part of the story and make my own assumptions, which is what I did. I said, what happened? He broke into my house and he wouldn't leave. I said, did you ask him politely to leave first? I mean, obviously, that's the thing. Did you say, hey, can you get out of my house? Yeah, he wouldn't leave. And I was like, so then you started calling him a bitch fucker? Yeah. And I'm like... <laughs> All right. Well, fuck that little bitch. <laughs> hey, you did your due diligence. You verified. For, <laughs> no, but the it, the generation that is coming up already is already sees through the lies of the Matrix. They right. Do. Right. Right. And I, I mean, my he's ten. My younger son, he's ten. But I remember when he was two and three and four. We say, well, you can't do that. That's that's a rule. That's a law. He's like, well, what are what are those? He just didn't understand that collectively all of us monkeys decided nobody's climbing that rope. <laughs> and if anybody climbs that rope, we're going to tear that guy down. But none of us has tried it. And he's like, no, Dad, watch. I'll climb up the refrigerator magnets to get to the cookies. <laughs> you know, it was, I'm like, look, I don't want to crush his 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 go-to attitude and just, you know, hold my beer and watch, you know, don't threaten me with a good time type of attitude. Mm -hmm. But I also have the worry that he's going to be brought home in handcuffs mm. because, you know, the, the rules don't apply to the younger generations that's coming up. And I, I believe we're shattering the participation trophy generations concept of reality because Nobody gives a shit. And they keep still trying. Oh, you need to you need to accept me and love me. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about me. Why should anyone care about you? Go back in your lane and stay there. <laughs> and just be happy. How but, how long have you been on YouTube? Um, I started on YouTube 
maybe like six years ago, but I used a really interesting strategy that everybody can do and everybody could get like 30, 40, 50, even a hundred thousand followers. And here's how I did it. So I have a lot of content. Like I love conversations like this. I love talking about mental health. I love talking about books and I love talking to comedy teams and people that are interesting from all walks of life. As long as we, we have a good conversation, I think that's really fun for me. However, not a lot of people, maybe because there's so many people doing it, you don't get a lot of traffic that way. But what you do get a lot of traffic for is famous comedians. And so I, for some reason, I thought that like, you know what, I'm just going to take these old comedies. For some reason, I use comedians that died. Like I thought that was a little bit more respectful. <laughs> not that it matters, but like I'm going to use the comedians that died. So I use like Carlin and Richard Pryor and Robin Williams. Carlin, my favorite, man. Oh, phenomenal. And there's like these old comedy roasts that if people haven't checked them out, you should check them out. They're like the uh, the Dean Martin comedy roasts, like George Burns and like all these old school comedians are really funny. And I would just take those and I would clip like, clip them into shorts, you know, so it's like a minute. And each comedy roast, you could probably get like 50 of them. And so then I would clip those roasts and then I would put them as shorts. And YouTube was really pushing shorts. So I would just clip them, put them on there. And all of a sudden, like about six months in, like my channel started taking off. Like some of these shorts would get like 100,000, 200,000. Someone got like a million. I'm like, whoa. And like it was really exciting because like I, I got to see, oh, shit, this is possible, man. Like you videos do kind of go viral. You know what I mean? And so – I was like, okay, this can happen. And all of a sudden, like all these people were starting to pop up and make all these comments. And like my channel just exploded. Like I was like, okay, I got a thousand. I got a thousand. I got 2000. I got 10,000. I got 15. I got 30. And then it, I came to the point of monetizing. I'm like, okay, I can monetize now. So I monetized, but then they're like, hey, you can't monetize after it turns out you have too much reused content. And so I was like, oh, okay. So then I came to this point where I thought, okay, maybe I'm at a point I looked at it like a rocket. You know how like the space shuttle would theoretically take off with those rocket boosters and then when it would get into space, those rocket boosters would fall off and it would go into orbit? That's what I thought my channel was and I thought that those comedy clips were like the rocket boosters. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to cut all my reused content. And so I did. I got rid of all the videos and, and those were all the ones that had views. Like this one had a million cut. Anything that was reused, I just cut it and now I had what I thought was my space shuttle orbiting and I got to keep all the subs but it dramatically decreased the amount of views that I get. So I have all the subs still, and some people are starting to shy away from the channel because it's no longer pushing the comedy content, but now it just has my stuff. So I got to keep the views. I'm no longer monetized, but I have my own stuff there. But it's a total repeatable strategy Luke, Luke's that anybody can use. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Dude, Luke, I'm awesome, awesome, brother. Thank you for hanging. Yeah, um, so it, it's a pretty cool strategy. So we started in 2020. We... We started off, I'll tell you our origin story, I guess. Yeah, please. Uh, so we started off um, with like TikTok and a Zoom call. Like our first podcast, we called mm -hmm. ourselves Ancillary because we were talking about anything and everything. Yeah. And um, it was a Zoom call where we were recording our audio separately and then mashed it all together with a timestamp and done all of it the hard way. And we posted that on YouTube and we had TikTok and I mean, we, we were growing really quick, but once we hit the point of monetization on YouTube, everything stalled for us. Mm. And we also had the TikTok. We, we had, uh, I believe it was 10,000. And then for a brief period, we hit like 25,000 followers yeah. on TikTok. And I mean, we were getting a great momentum going over there. Then the election happened. So mm. with our logo being the Q, 
Mm-hmm. Everyone instantly associated us with the QAnon. <laughs> um, we were probably the most hated people on TikTok <laughs> because at that point in time, TikTok wouldn't even let you use the letter Q. It was a banned letter. Wow. And so we couldn't even promote ourselves. Every time we put in Q for you podcast, which stands for question for you. Yeah. <laughs> we were automatically getting banned. So we went from that 20 down to um, 2,800 where we've been steadily at for a long time now. And then, so we're like, we really got to start pushing content other places. Mm-hmm. So then we went over and we really started pushing on YouTube again, you know, trying to get up to that next step. Yeah. And we had the view hours. We had the followers. They just wouldn't monetize us. Mm. And shortly after that, we got our first uh, strike on YouTube. Uh, misinformation. Mm-hmm. We were talking about COVID or something, and misinformation hit us first strike. So we're like, okay, you know, this obviously isn't a place for free speech. <laughs> so let's find one that is. And our next step was Clapper. The app Clapper had just come out. So we went over to Clapper and we started growing a following over there. And nothing against those people, but those people. That's an echo chamber is all it is. Mm. And and I I really promote more of the make up your own mind. Don't don't just take what I say yeah. and run with right. it. Have your own opinion with it too. So at that point we were like, you know what? No, we're we're gonna back off of that one too. And we actually made an OnlyFans. Nice. Our was hosted on OnlyFans for a long time. Well, as you know, or if you don't know, OnlyFans started doing a verification where everyone that is on screen with you, you have to send in their passport ID, their social security number, and all of this information to wow. Sweden. For every time that they're on, you have to send that information to Sweden. And I was like, well, if I have a guest on, I'm not going to ask for their passport right. verification number to send to Sweden so it can get stolen. I'm, I'm not doing that. So at this point in time, we created our own website, and we kind of had it sitting on the back burner, you know, and we put content there, but we weren't really pushing our website. And we got banned off of YouTube. We went to our website for a while. We streamed on Facebook for a while. And everywhere we went, there there's something that prohibits free speech. Mm. Um, with Facebook, your comments are being monitored. And once you post a comment that they flag as inappropriate, then they're constantly watching that channel now. So every time somebody posts a comment that somebody else finds inappropriate, your comment's banned. And once again, that was a hard decision to make. We were like, okay, so we have the opportunity to say kind of what we want to say, but at the same time, if somebody else says something that Facebook doesn't feel appropriate, they're going to take their comment down and slap them on the wrist for it and put them in Facebook jail. So now we're streaming on Rumble. Mm-hmm. It's all right. Um, we're streaming on our website. And really, we, we just went back to YouTube, started streaming on our YouTube again, a few videos here and there. But you really have to watch where you stream your content at. And... That's one thing I, I've never agreed with because I'm like, you know what? Let somebody say what they want to say. 
if George, whatever your opinion is, yeah. even if yeah. I don't agree with it, then it's my option to either watch you or scroll on past you. Yeah. I, I guess I've never understood the age of internet bullies. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't either. I haven't because the way I look at it is if you're saying something that I don't like, block. I think it's more than that. You know what I think it is? I think it's the insurance companies and liability. It's not so much some screaming, like some screaming lunatic that is a victim. It's more of like, hey, I'm afraid I'm going to get sued. So just block anything that could possibly sue me. And then they just blame it on like the people. They blame it on like the weakest people because they want those people to be victimized. That's, you know, let me, let me throw this strategy out. Let me, here's an idea I've kind of been playing with that I see the way the culture moving. Like right now, there seems to be so much division in the world of media. Like there's so much propaganda out there. And it seems that like, whether it's like, um, you know, uh, like, the, like a transsexual dancing at a library or it's like a Black Lives Matter group or it's like the, you know, the, the target things that are happening like i think all those people are being set up like i think all of those people are being set up to be hated and they're pumping all this money and i think it's people like vanguard i think it's people like blackrock i think they're setting up all of these people that are they're that are already victims and they're blowing them up and they're gonna just they're going to be the useful idiots that the communists use and these Hate people sales. Yeah, man. And, and I, I, on some level, I think it's working. I think you're seeing this really hard turn to the right, and those people are going to be persecuted. And they're, and they're going to be used, instead of taking out the bankers, instead of taking out you know, the, the, the financial elite or the, you know, the, CEOs of the, the CEOs of the corporations that run the government, like that's all behind a smokescreen. And instead, why don't you yell at this person who has blue hair over here who is really annoying? Like, and I don't think those people see that, man, but I, that's where I, I see this whole thing going. It's like, oh, these people are just being set up and they're going to get crushed and the people that are going to do it are going to be the, the people that are sick and tired of being told they're second class citizens. And it just seems like they're trying to promote this class war in order to get away with their crimes. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I, it, it's a scapegoat strategy. Yeah, yeah. And, and what they're doing is, of course, they don't want their friends and the people in their company and all these people to be under attack and go to jail. So you have to find an out. You have to find your scapegoat. And yep. if it's the purple haired guy that's kind of already, well, I'm going to say it, a little bitch, then <laughs> let it be the purple haired guy that you have no contact to that can get up there and stand on a stage and scream into a microphone that you paid for and say, I don't feel this is right. He's going to get hated. They're not going to think that you put it on. You paid for the microphone. You paid mm -hmm. for the stage. You went and got the permits. They're not going to look at that. They're going to look at yeah. the individual that said the words. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting time for sure. And I, one strategy that I've been using talking to people about is that, you know, I think finding a way to create your own content and not pay attention to that goes a long way. You know, and, and even if it's, like, like I, I left, I got fired from my job, but I left there and trying not to participate in the machine is a great way to give them the middle finger. It's really hard. And some people can't do it because you got a mortgage, you got a family and I get it. Like some people can't do it, but if you can do it, I think now is a great time to chase down that feather that's on the windowsill. 
to chase yeah. down that dream because right now things are changing and nothing is nothing is sure about the future except that the change is constant and right now is a beautiful time for anyone listening to this to start believing in yourself in a way that you never have before and start setting an example for yourself your family and your community and it can be done yeah 100% be the be the change you want to see like you said earlier you know we like we say be the people yeah be the people for the change Instead yeah. of, you know, the Constitution states that we, the people, then be those people. Yeah. Stand up and do something about it. Um, when, when, and the reason that be the people came along was during the time of election and 2020, when everyone was so fired up about the election and everybody said that this is my line. If they cross it, then I'm going to do this, 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 this. And we had a bunch of those people. Like I said, we were in Clapper. We were talking to those right. people every day. And they all had their permanent line. If they do this, then I'm going to stand up. And then they would do it. And I would say, okay, they crossed your line. Now what? Mm -hmm. Well, now if they do this, and it was the old cartoon, don't cross this line, don't cross <laughs> <Yeah>. this <laughs> line, don't cross yeah. this line. And that that's when we started be that person then. If, if yeah. you say, if they do this, then I'm going to do this. Well, if they do that, then do it. Mm-hmm. Don't just be about your words. Actually stand up and do something. And one of the things, I, I don't know if you pay attention to this. Um, are you on Instagram? I am. Okay. So Instagram pays out their top influencers, right? Um, right now, I believe Ellen DeGeneres is in second place. Okay. And Ellen DeGeneres has 180 million. Don't quote my numbers exactly on this. But she has like 180 million followers on Instagram. She only follows like 200 people. Um, but she gets paid like six to $7,000 per post. Wow. She makes. So Ellen DeGeneres is making money off of every one of you that follow her. Mm. And one of my big pushes is that I believe everybody should stop following those people. Yeah. Stop. Don't, and I'm not saying follow me. Right. I'm saying instead of following those people set up a networking group on discord or some server somewhere where everybody can get together and say, okay, you know what? This month we're going to go follow this veteran and run through vet this person, make sure they're actually a veteran, no stolen valor, make yeah. sure that they are, you know, really trying in life and actually doing what they say they are. Go follow that person. All 180 million people, go follow that person. Let them post every day. Let Instagram pay them $7,000 a post every day for this. And at the end of that month, take your views back and find somebody else that's important and deserving of this. Instead of giving your money to the people that don't care about you. That's such a brilliant idea. Dude, how do I, how can I help make that idea possible, man? Like I'm gonna I'll make a short and like that's such a beautiful idea. It's like an alternative sort of economy in a way, and it's be the people, like you said. Like we do have the power, you know. The that's, same that's way, the yeah. thing. It's you have the power, and that, that's one of the things that I try to push on people is, well, I can't change anything. No, you can. You can make a change just by simply not following somebody on Instagram and turning your follow to somebody else you have that power it takes more of us to do it because we're the lower class citizens but we still have power in our groups in our numbers and i 
like I said, it, it's one of those ideas I have that I haven't really. <laughs> yeah. I tell yeah, that... people, you know, don't don't follow them, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't know who to follow. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, I I I had a idea a while back too, like just in a. I was thinking about a similar idea of like, wouldn't it be not, not similar in that, but similar in, wouldn't it be cool if there was a group of people that just got together and tried to make someone's day better? Like if, if, if you were a group of people, so you got a Facebook page or a YouTube channel, or you have a bunch of followers and you could just all get together and be like, Hey, I read this guy's post. He's having a pretty tough day, man. What if we started like a GoFundMe, or, or what if we just all went on his page and bombed him with like positive ideas positive words like even something like that could fundamentally change someone's day or their week or even their life like hey man we're gonna bomb this guy for a week tell him how awesome he is you know like and they would just some stranger would be like dude everyone's blowing me up tell me how awesome i am you know what i mean that's gonna be a good feeling right that would change somebody's whole i mean you don't know that person they could be on the verge of suicide yeah they really could and that one message one inspirational message a like on their photo could change somebody's entire day. Yeah. Like you said, their life. It, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It, yeah, yeah, I think it, there should be more things like that. It, it's a beautiful idea, but as I said, it's something that I'm not really sure how to get off the ground. I have a Discord. I have a Facebook. I have Instagram. We have the same username on just about everything. Like I said, we even have an OnlyFans. Right. I, we have q for You Podcast branded all over everything. But... We've been unfortunate enough that we've had to, like I said, leave YouTube and go back to YouTube and hit Rumble and bounce around to here and here and here and here and here. We're always bouncing that we can't amass a large group of people in one place before eventually we're kicked somewhere else. Because yeah, that's... I'm sorry. I believe in the ability to say what's on your mind. And I, just because you label it as mis- misinformation, Maybe it's not. Maybe in three years from now, we're going to go, whoa, remember all those people that you kicked off of your platform for saying misinformation were actually correct? And are these big companies going to do anything about it? Mm. We don't matter. We're consumers to them. Mm-hmm. We, uh, during the, back onto the helping people out during pandemic and COVID times and all that, 2020 in the heart of it, we, looked at uh, Amazon and if the guy from Amazon had taken and given all of his prime members, let's say he gave all of his prime members a thousand dollars to use on Amazon to purchase food. Do you know how much that would have benefited him in the long run? Everybody would have been still been Amazon prime members and he would have gained more Amazon prime subscriptions and everything else just for giving these people a thousand dollars that he would have gotten back and he could have wrote all that off on his taxes. Little things like that. People don't think of because I believe greed gets in their way. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a whole board of, it's, it's like a, I think greed is contagious and it's like, if you have a board of directors sitting around talking about, and most of the board of directors have never even worked for the company. You know, um, there's a guy named um, Varoufakis. He's like the Greek finance minister. I forgot his first name. But his last name is Varoufakis. And he had a really interesting idea. 
he talks about the time in which Greece, you know, when when Greece was about to default to the European Union, he became the finance minister for a party called Syriza, and they got into power because they're like, yeah, we're just going to default. We're not going to pay. Fuck Europe. We're not going to pay any money. We're just going to default on it. And so Europe yeah. was like, you're not going to default on anything. You're going to pay us that money. And they're like, nah, we're not going to do it. So the people voted that group in because they didn't want to pay the debt. They're like, we'll just go back to our own currency. Well, Europe can't have that happen because it'll collapse the entire euro. And so um, Giannis Varoufakis goes to this finance meeting and they're like, he said that the first thing that happened when he went to the meeting is like, listen, we're going to listen. Uh, Giannis, we're going to listen to everything you have to say. But there's just one, there's just one thing we have to tell you. You can say and do anything you want in here. We're going to listen, but you can't change any of the rules in finance. <laughs> and he's like, well, why the fuck am I here then? He's like, we're going to default and that's it. It's done. Yeah. And so they ended up like threatening him. They called like, cause he was the finance minister. So they, they called the prime minister in and then they got that guy to turn his back on Varoufakis. But his idea was this, he goes, look, capitalism around the world, it's, it's, it's been taken over by the corporations. It's, it's corporatocracy now. It's not really even capitalism. It's just this corporate takeover of the world. And I think it was John Dewey who said, government is the shadow cast upon people by business. So Varoufakis's idea is this. He goes, why don't we make it so that you can't have the speculators? Like if you're an employee for a company, when you join that company, you get one share. And now you get one share in the vote of whatever the company does. And then when you, if you get quit or you're fired, you give back that share, you start working at another company, then you get a share of that company. Like it's the most equitable, and I'm not a huge fan of the word equitable the way it's been used, but it is a way to, to sort of equalize the authority inside the company. And it takes away the motivation for people that don't care about the workers or the company or the, the um, integrity of the company. It takes those people out of it so the people that are there get a chance to decide. Right. And, you know, you know it's, it's pretty interesting. He also had some really interesting ideas about similar to what we were talking about, but more of an aggressive stance where, you know, why don't the people get together and find out like what General Electric is shorting and then everybody buy that stock, you know, yeah. like like the same way AMC did it or all the apes on Reddit did it. Like that's possible. It could be done. And so I think that there's some good ideas out there. It's just getting and, and maybe this is why there's so much distraction, maybe why there's so much propaganda out there is because people are beginning to coalesce around these ideas and finding ways to fight back. I, I like to believe that. Right. I mean, let, let's say in, in all of my social medias and all of our platforms, we're looking at somewhere around the 10 to 20,000 people. Some of those could be duplicated or whatever. Sure. Um, you're following. I, I'm not sure how big your following is at this point in time, but even at that, okay, let's say we're both at 10 to 20,000 people. So we group them all together. Then we have 40,000 people. Yes. And with 40,000 people, you can make a difference. With It's just getting them all to one point and saying, look, guys, this is, this is our group mindset. This is our hive mindset. And this is our goal to achieve. Um, and it's one thing that I've started with uh, Streamer Saturday. So mm -hmm. I also stream on Drip, selling Funkos and collectibles and stuff like that. And one of the things that we talk about in there is, okay, so you're a streamer with 150 followers. Come on the podcast, tell everybody about yourself, tell them what you do in one of our streamer Saturdays, and then bring all of your followers in. This guy with 150, this guy with 150, this guy with 150, everybody bring your followers in and pull them. So now 
instead of being one lone person with 150 followers, now we are all a group with 10,000 or 20,000 or 30,000 followers and keep expanding and growing on this. That way we can bring in more people and spread it out. It Because, look, it's nothing. On YouTube, you hit subscribe. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, guys. You hit subscribe, <laughs> and that's support. Yeah. And that's one of the big things that we push. Support comes in many ways, shapes, and forms. Share this video. Yeah. <laughs> Share True Life Podcast with five of your friends. Share it in Facebook Messenger, Instagram, whatever. Share True Life Podcast with five of your friends. Go talk about it in your coffee break in the morning, whatever. And that's some of the greatest support that you can have. So another idea that we took from that was with our website um, and the $5 a month subscription. So like you, True Life Podcast, we would give you a code, True Life, as your code. And now everybody that you tell to go subscribe to the website, they get their first month for $3. They're still entered into the drawings and nothing changes that way. It's just a discount. But for every person that you send and uses that True Life uh, discount code to get their $3 a month, we pay you a dollar. And we offer this to anybody. If you're somebody sitting at home yeah. that is an influencer in some way, shape, or form. You have 10,000 people on your TikTok page. Uh, your bills are coming due, whatever. Then message us, get a hold of us, and say, hey, I would like that promo code. And we give you a promo code and take as much advantage of it as you want. If you send us 300 people, then we'll send you $300 on PayPal. Because that's the best promotion i believe is the word of yeah. mouth yeah yeah i agree but i want send me the send me the true life code so i can send some people your guys way yeah i'll, I'll make it right now and send it to you i mean it's, <laughs> it's and nice. that's the thing so our website keeps track of it all so at any point in time you can message and say hey what am i at right now and i'll yeah. send you a screenshot of it and say hey you've got 40 people do you want paid out right now or do you want to let it hold over you know and that that's one thing that I've I push for everybody to understand. You know, to be the champion. If not for yourself, do it for somebody else. Yeah. Support yeah, comes in many ways, shapes, and forms. Just watching a video, an hour view helps you. And that's an hour view where you can just take and set your phone down and walk off and do whatever you need to do. You don't have to pay attention to it. I really wish you would and <laughs> listen to some of the words that people say. Sure. But you don't have to. That hitting subscribe and watching an hour of their video or whatever is some of the biggest support that you can do for people. Yeah, that's and, true. What do you think is the future for creators? Like, you know, when you see, I think a lot of people have had a lot of hope for Rumble to become bigger than it is and it's on some level i can see them paying out some pretty big creators trying to get them to work exclusively with them but it just seems like the I, I don't even know what to believe like how many of my subs are real people how many subs on anybody's channel are real people like you can just buy those i mean i've, I've had people that call me like hey, you want to buy some subs and i'm like i don't have any money to do that man but you know right. I, and then if you have those subs does does youtube even know that they just pay out their people and if they do why wouldn't they just create 
the fault they create the channels they want and then pretend they have subs and just buy them the subs you know it's like it just seems so convoluted and i sometimes i think that that's why all these other channels are popping up but sometimes it seems when there's so many channels no one's paying attention to any of them there it is true life yeah capital t capital l all one all right. word two dollars off your first month nice oh. everybody listen and check them out so that's a problem I see in the future is because now I don't know if you've heard about it, but there's a new streaming platform called kick. It's not new. It's like a year old now. Um, and their rules are a lot more lax. They host gambling. Mm. They host, um, only fans, girls, they host podcasts, politics. It's all there all in one spot. It's, it's like a Twitch platform only, and it's, it's a bunch of people that were on Twitch that right. got together and started this. And one of the goals that they hope to achieve is that they can pay streamers $15 an hour. Wow. To be on there, which sounds wonderful, right? Sure. Um, But as they claim, it's a future hope right. that they want to happen. And there, there's a new social media. There's a new streaming platform um just in buying collectibles you can use whatnot drip uh popshop.live and this is all stuff that's just blown up over the recent days and i think the problem is that like my problem that i talked about earlier is i spread myself too thin mm. with youtube Facebook, Rumble. Mm -hmm. I, I spread it around hoping to get the word out right. instead of focusing on one platform. Mm. But I also find it difficult to obey the rules, I guess you would say, <laughs> so I can stay on that platform. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I wish I was different. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all get that, though. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah, I do too. Sometimes I wish I was a rule follower and I didn't accidentally say the word fuck, you know, <laughs> so that somebody could come along and say, oh, he said a bad word, blocking. I, I get that mindset. I do. I understand it. I have, like I said, a four-year-old also who absorbs every word right. that she hears. So I understand that as a parent, you don't want those people on the social media. Sure. But at the same time, we really need to respect our First Amendment, which is freedom of speech. I, I believe anybody has the right to go out and say whatever is on their mind. And what's, what's actually funny is if I was the kind of person to push things and want to sue and all that, I could. Um, because in 2011, I became an ordained minister. Mm. It was online just so I could do marriages and all that, but I am still an ordained minister in the state of Oklahoma. So for those of you that don't know, as an ordained minister, I can post up anywhere and say anything I want. That's how preachers and ministers get by with that mm. is they're not regulated to the point of you have to set up and buy a permit to speak and all of this. 
as an ordained minister, you have the right to publicly express your religion as whatever it may be. So for hampering my freedom of speech and saying that it's misinformation or whatever is actually an attack on religious beliefs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a battle, man. It's a, uh, the, the problem with litigating everything is, you know, you're up against a monster, like a monolith that has tons of money, lawyers on, on standby and time and, you end up giving all your energy to something that you don't even really care about. The only energy you have is anger towards it. Like I, I thought about that with my, with where I work too. I'm like, oh, I could totally sue these guys, but you don't want to put that much energy into it. You know, like, okay, they wronged you. Yeah. What, what are you going to do about it? You want to stand there and fight them or you want to try to f become something better. And that, that energy kind of hangs over you sometimes and just drains you. Yeah. I guess and if you have the right thing, you can do it, but. And then at some point you no longer care about it. You're just yeah, in it because yeah. you put so much time and effort. Yeah, that yeah. That's your only motivation. Yeah. Yep. It's true. It's true. It's like a bad relationship. Like just leave, just get out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're going to stay there and fight. Get out. Just fucking get out, man. Cut your losses and go. Yeah. And I, I think it's something that we as a people need to work on. Yeah. Is is this something I want to devote that much time and effort into? Is this something that I want to take time away from my family? Working on the road, like I said, when I was a millwright, I spent seven months on the road, a year and a half on the road. I was away from my family. Yeah. yeah. Um, so once I finished that job with Luke that we met at, I actually came home and started working on a farm not far from here. Um, had a baby. I was with her every day. Yeah. I didn't want to leave anymore. Yeah. I didn't want to go out. And then I started a construction company. And one of the first things I had to do was leave. And that was one of the biggest moments for me. It was like, oh, well, here I am doing the same thing I didn't want to do. Yep. But you have to make sacrifices for your family. It's like going into that nine to five that you absolutely hate just so you can yeah. pay your bills and put food on the table. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. I, I spent, you know, 14 hours a day. I wake up at five, make breakfast, drop my kid off at school, be to work by seven, work till like nine, come home, everybody's sleeping. Just being so burned out, man, and being and just being so unhappy. Like, I'm making great money, but what am I doing with my life? Like, I don't, I'm never here. My wife's doing everything. My kid doesn't even see me. Like, at what point in time is all that money worth sacrificing the very things that you love like and like that, that's what started eating me i'm like what the fuck am i doing like this is dumb like and then and then there's the fear factor well if you leave here you can't support your family if you right. leave this thing you can't do it you know and then it just becomes this weird sort of negative looping thought in your mind that just weighs on you and pulls you down and like you got to break that pattern man and and yeah the, and i think it brings you to the idea of battling with uncertainty like yeah you may not know what's going to happen but look at your past have you always been able to be okay yeah have you always been able to make it yeah have you gotten through all the tragedies in your life yeah okay well then you're probably going to get through this one too you know and matter of fact is it the big chances you took didn't they turn out good for you maybe not in the beginning but didn't you see some silver lining in them yeah 
Okay. And well, they then, make you stronger. Every one of them makes you stronger. Every one, man. Every one. Every trial, every tribulation that you face as a person makes you that much stronger. Yeah. Makes you that much of a better person. Um, yeah. I wake up every day trying to be a better person. That That's my main goal in life is to be a better, better person every day. And yep. that's one of the things that we as q for You podcast hope to accomplish. Um, my my big push is 10,000 subscribers. Once we hit 10,000 subscribers on our podcast, then I want to personally take $10,000 cash to somebody's house, the winner of that month, yeah. and hand deliver that and say this. Because my hopes is it's something that it's somebody that needs it. And every time we've done a giveaway, it has been somebody that needs it, somebody that's been on a tough time. That extra $100 really helped out. That extra $50, you know, they needed it at that moment. Yeah. Um, one of the people, he won. He wasn't watching the podcast. He wasn't there to see it. I didn't have his contact information. So I reached out to another person. I was like, I really need to find him. I need to get his PayPal. I don't have his PayPal, but he won $150 this month. And, I mean, it was it was probably a week of not hearing from him. I went to other streams that I knew he was at sometimes to hang out. And I would sit in the background just waiting for him to come in. I, I hate owing people money. Yeah, I know. And I felt like I owed him. And finally I got a hold of him and he messaged me. <clears throat> I got his PayPal. I sent him the money. No, no, I take that back. He did not. Somebody that he had sent money through PayPal to, I got his PayPal from them. And they're like, I don't know. And I was like, just give me his PayPal information so I can send him some money. Yeah. All right. So they sent it and I sent him the hundred bucks. And it was probably another week after that. He messaged me and he's like, you don't understand how much that hundred dollars helped me out at that specific moment. Yeah. My wife were having hard times. Um, I was under a lot of stress. I was wondering where I was going to get money to buy this and this and this. And he said, at that moment, my phone dinged and there was a hundred bucks there. He <laughs> said, and at that moment, I, I knew there was something out there that wanted me to succeed. And I was like, dude, that's what it's all about. <laughs> that's so awesome, man. Yeah. It's so awesome. Such a good feeling. Yeah. And every time, every time we've done a cash giveaway, it's been like that, you know? And sometimes during the middle of the month or something, I'll get a random moment. I'll be like, no, let's do a $100 giveaway this month. Yeah. And I'll go through that list of subscribers and I'll do a random number generator. I have a number assigned to every one. I'll do a random number generator. It gives me a number and I'll look through the list. If that person's still actively subscribed, then I'll send the money to their PayPal. And every time they've been like, you don't know how much at that time that helped me. It, it's a great feeling. And that's why... Because you and I both know that ten thousand dollars is not a small amount of money. That's that's huge, man. It's huge. Ten thousand dollars yeah. is life changing for somebody that's let's face it, money's a big issue right now. Feeding your yeah. family went yep. from two hundred dollars a week to five hundred dollars a week. Yep. Just to feed your house. That ten thousand dollars could relieve so much stress. And I'm not a fan of the GoFundMe's. Mm. I feel like GoFundMe has such a rotten reputation now. Mm. And, I mean, of course, I would say support me, yes. 
Yeah. Give me your money. <laughs> Trust me, I'll I'll make sure it goes to the right place. <laughs> right. But at the same time, I think it's a way to benefit. You got five dollars that you know that that's one less can of tobacco. That's one less right. pack of cigarettes for you. Right. Um, to help a creator grow to press press fresh content and to have something that could pay off potentially in the future for yourself. It's like a stock market gamble. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, man. I think it's a great idea. And like you said, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I've talked to anybody else that's given back like that, man. I think you're the first person, man. So congratulations. That's a great, great thing to do. And it's, it's, I don't know. I think it's worth expanding that idea and I might have to steal it from you and use it myself. Use it. Use it. <laughs> That's, that's, that's the thing. I mean, I would much rather see, let's, like I said, let's look at Netflix. Right. Netflix started out. If you guys remember, Netflix started out as nine ninety nine a month. I actually think before that it was like six ninety nine, like Disney plus and all of them. Mm -hmm. um, you got one movie in the mail that you had to mail in, wait two days. You got your next one in. Yeah. Um, that's how it began. And now it's charging what? $20 a month. Have they ever given you anything? Nope. Nothing. Disney. Look at Disney. Disney started out. They were going to be the premier broadcasting company. All their new movies were going to be delivered right to your television screen. And then they started holding out on us. They started saying, well, we realize that we should still do the DVDs and the box mm -hmm. office and stuff like that. And then, then we'll put it on Disney+. Plus, Right? And... Have they ever given anything back? No, they've never mm -hmm. given one of their supporters a trip to Disneyland. No. And that's how we wanted to be different. We want to give back to the people that support us. You give to us, we want to give back. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. Robert, this has been an awesome conversation, man. I love yes, talking sir. to you guys, dude. This is really fun. Yeah. Um, we'd love to have you on our show sometime. I know it's later on in the afternoon for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. What, what time is it over there right now? It's 417 here, and we podcast at 730 Central Tuesday through Saturday. Okay, because it's 11 a.m., 11, 17 a.m. over here. 11, so 11 12, 1, 2, 3, 4. So we're five hours difference. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's yeah, that's no problem. So five, 7 o'clock your time would be 2 o'clock my time. Okay. So 2.30. 2.30. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. Let and, me know, man. Anytime. Yeah, it's, well, it's theory Thursday tonight. You're welcome to come on and join us. Yeah. I don't plan it as early as you do. I have, like I said, I'm on Rumble and stuff, so I'm limited to a 30-minute window where I have to put all the information in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. But, yeah, we'll definitely send you a link to your email if you want to jump in and join us tonight or whenever. You're more than welcome, man. All right. What's that? Yeah. What? So it's seven and it's four, maybe three hours. I got, I got a podcast at one. Maybe we'll see, man. <laughs> From one to two, the, the, the mental math does hurts my head a little bit. I got a podcast at one, my time that guy's. So I'll probably go till two o'clock, maybe two 30. I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I will email you my phone number. Yeah. Okay. That'd be much better. Way easier. Yep. Okay. That'd be awesome. Do that. Okay. 
fantastic, man. Well, I hope you have a fantastic day. Uh, shout out to Luke and just check out the books. Um, check out their content. Do yourself a huge favor. Subscribe to them. You never know. You could be the $10,000 winner. Um, I love the ideas about making the world better. I think we're kind of cut from the same cloth in so many ways. You guys got a show coming up tonight. Where can people find you um, if they're looking? So you can always find us on our website, q4upodcast.com. Every show we do is sent straight there live. Um, and it it's a library for all of our shows that we do. Some of them are still paid. Um, I'm working on going through each and every one and making them, you know. But you can always find our show there. Um, we've been on Rumble here lately for like the Tuesdays and Thursdays. We've kind of got a weird schedule um, with the different platforms we're on, but we have, like I said, a YouTube page, Rumble, uh, OnlyFans, Instagram, YouTube, uh, Facebook. You can find us anywhere, reach out. But our day-to-day shows right now are on Rumble and our website. Fantastic. All right, my friend. Well, I appreciate the time today. Looking forward to catching what you guys got coming up a little bit later today. And I'm sure we'll be in touch and be doing some more shows together, man. So I appreciate your time, man. Hang on one second. I'm going to hang up, but I still want to talk to you for one more minute. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, that's all we got for today. Aloha. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge. And I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now. And it's been so rewarding to me that I would just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, Go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.